of facts to fight off the liberal gaslighting. You can be in the middle of a hurricane. You have sanctuary in the city of Chicago. Or you can be on a calm day. North is still north. You could be in a thunderstorm. I am angry. We are not going back. Not ever. North is still north. People can yell at you. The hell with the Supreme Court. We will defy them. North is still north. It doesn't change fundamental things. And in this business, right is still right, even if you stand by yourself. We don't get fooled again. No, no. Live across the fruited plain and from sea to shining sea, we are converting the Marxist left one hour at a time on the Wendy Bell radio program. Well, hello, America, and beyond the fruited plain. Welcome home to the Wendy Bell Radio Program. We are your source for common sense conservative values Monday through Friday. We're here every day, and it's important that we're here every day because I have a very serious question, I guess, that's bubbling in my mind. Do you think people who are crazy, people who are indoctrinated, people who are activists, people who are perpetually angry, do you think they know it? Do you think that they know that they've been manipulated? Do you think they know why they're so mad? Because I'm going to read you some headlines here in just a minute. And all of it adds up to one thing. Man, have a lot of people lost their ways, ladies and gentlemen. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to, we're going to talk about a bunch of different things. How about this fight to try to make Speaker Mike Johnson seem like he's some religious lunatic? It seems like the more normal you are, the more traditional you are, the more basic your values are on family and faith and freedom, the more you see how crazy everybody else is. And that is where I am today. And perhaps you join me. Perhaps you feel the same way I do. And you're looking around wondering when the collective wake up is going to happen. And I'm hoping it's soon because I'm losing patience, my friends. And we'll explain why in just a minute. If you're new to the program, this is important. It's the most important part of the day. And I thank you every single day, many of you rising and doing it with me. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Amen. I was flipping through various channels, not on television per se, but various sources where I get information online. And this activism going on on college campuses, it's sickening. Let's just call it what it is. It is sickening. Because what we are seeing is the fruits of multiple generations of indoctrination. This is nothing new It's not like all of a sudden after COVID, we had this weird wave of of student activists. It seems like colleges and universities are these microcosms of angry people who inherently are, I'm going to say, 
weak, insecure, they feel alone, and they find some sort of membership, some togetherness, some synthesis, some energy by joining some group on campus, having just toured a bunch of different campuses with our middle son, Ryan. These universities, from top to bottom, in and out, up to down, whatever, they all like to tout there are hundreds and hundreds of various clubs on campus. If you're a black student, there are a variety of black clubs you can be a part of, black fraternities and sororities. If you're Jewish, you can do this. If you're gay, you can do that. Why are we, why? Clubs are code for bring all sorts of weak people together, give them something to be angry about and to mobilize around, Add enough ingredients to the Petri dish, shake it up, and let it go. And this is what we have. Who do you think is teaching your kids? Are these people who are tremendous in their field? Some of them. But I can speak from examples and my own life. I can guarantee you right now that the people who are teaching me in college and graduate school about broadcast journalism about being on the air, about having to get information and interview people and be fair and objective and to double check, and then to put it out in, in a way that is interesting, that makes people watch and want to hear what you are saying. And I don't know, maybe move the needle towards something greater than just news. The people who taught me were people who couldn't make it as reporters and anchors. And so we have a group of people, and this is not all education, so all the teachers out there were like, Wah! back it up a second. We have a lot of people who teach because they could not do. And there is a huge ego stroke that comes with being part of a, of a campus situation and being the proverbial leader of some subsect of it. That's what we have. We've got a lot of bunch of rogue nations milling around. People aren't going to college to figure out, you know what? I don't know. Do I want to be an engineer? Do I want to be a dentist? Uh, I don't know. Do I, do I want to study geology? Do I want to be an Englishman? They are finding something that is not education. It's an indoctrination and a belonging to an almost cult-like environment. And how do we know this? The Jewish students on any college campus or that Jews in any place, same as blacks or gay people or anybody who's been part of a marginalized group, the physically disabled, anybody. We would call out discrimination for what it is on the spot. But for some reason, if it's against Jews, it's okay. That students in a kosher dining hall had to lock down because of the rhetoric on their campus, even though a fifth of the student body is Jewish. To me, I'm astonished. I'm, I'm astonished. We have Jew, Jewish students, sons and daughters of people like you and me, who are not feeling safe right now, leaving their dorm rooms. And this is okay. We have a, a White House. We have an administration that says they're against this sort of stuff, but really isn't because they've created the conditions for it. All you have to do is look at the southern border. Who's coming across? The best and the brightest? The people who are going to go on and make big things happen here in the United States? Maybe. I'm going to go with no, though.
A lot of people who hate us. These people in education were the activists of their generation. And then they fail upward to teach our children. And that next generation of clone trooper angry activists is born. And then you you get a few world events going on and a few misguided people who are ill-educated. And all of a sudden now you have an army of angry, ignorant young people who think they know a lot. And sadly, don't even know that they've been schooled, that they have been used, manipulated. Because the people who are in charge of all of this, who want us fighting each other, who want us bickering about stupid stuff, they're in it for themselves, certainly not for us. I look at these headlines, California Democrats want gender-neutral bathrooms, mandatory in all K-12 schools. Now, a logical person would say, you know what I want? I want students who can read. I want students who can do math. I want students who can think independently, who create, who are dreamers, who are innovators, right? I don't care about their bathroom. This is the hill that we're going to die on in California right now. A manufactured crisis because transgenderism is a first world problem. You don't see people in sub-Saharan Africa wringing their hands over feeling that they were born in the wrong body. They just are looking for food. And yet we cater to this malignant money-making scheme called T, transgenderism. And now you have California Democrats bowing over, basically bowing at the altar of woke to provide all gender restrooms at their schools. Okay, that's what we're doing. That's just one of the headlines today. We have a a movement to remove Donald Trump from the ballot in the state of Colorado. And we have 'er ne'er-do-well activists in college who've now failed upward into the judicial system who believe it's perfectly reasonable in the United States of America to create an insurrection, specifically calling it that, because you've you've looked into the, the rules and the regulations and the Constitution itself to try to find a way to carve a human being out of the discourse. And then you created an event to entrap honest, honorable, American-loving people into a fray of suck so you could stick it to one man who the majority of this country wants back in the Oval Office. These people probably started off on college campuses and in clubs like everything else. This baby crap, this saying okay to stealing, just steal whatever you want, take whatever you want. Did you guys see that it's CVS Pharmacy now? In, in Oakland, California, in San Francisco, California, where theft is so rampant, they don't have products on the shelves anymore. They have pictures of what used to be there. And so you create a list of what you want, give it to somebody at CVS, they go get it for you, you purchase it, and then you leave because theft is that bad. But God forbid we should punish the offenders. This is the situation that we find ourselves in as our president allegedly wants us to endlessly fund wars. No wonder I feel unsettled inside. No wonder I'm done. But for a Jewish person in this country to feel hunted, to worry that they will be attacked and murdered, and we don't have people standing up saying, what the hell are we doing, full stop? 
Okay, I'll be the one. Enough. Enough. I've got 82,000 more reasons why you don't want to vote for Joe Biden coming up next November. I'll drop that number on you and the reason why next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Isn't it all so interesting? You know, we've dropped a lot of hot button topics for this war. It's amazing how the news cycle ebbs and flows. Before COVID, we were talking about kids vaping. This epidemic of childhood vaping and kids being hospitalized with popcorn lung. Well, that blew up and went away the minute the virus dropped. So we're all going to run to the next thing. They beat the drum of discrimination against the black community. It bubbles up, it rises, it rears its head from time to time. But where are all of those black voices now who know was, who know what it feels like to be on the losing end of bias when somebody else is in the crosshairs? What is it about the Jewish community that everybody seems to rally around where it's acceptable to discriminate? I don't understand that. Is it resentment? Is it anger? Is it just a pile on? Is it, is it a level of mental mediocrity that finds meaning in a group mob mentality of suck? And they don't care who is in the crosshairs, but right now the Jews are a very convenient whipping boy. It's disgraceful. So where are all of the marginalized people out there? Because I find it funny that the LGBTQIA plus XYZ community, which is out there doing pro-Palestine activist events, they know nothing, nothing about Hamas. Because Hamas would kill those people, right? LGBTQ stuff is not approved, ladies and gentlemen, in that culture. And yet you have these people who are part of, quote unquote, marginalized groups joining this ocean, this chorus of voices calling for Jews to be hunted down. What happened to silence is violence. Well, apparently that doesn't matter anymore. It's disgraceful. So the story today that, that we can't lose sight of, and we're going to get into more of the meat and potatoes of it, is it thanks to this tool, which is now the main news gathering source for people who didn't throw in the towel in journalism, is called the Freedom of Information Act request. We've gotten to a point in our society where You can't get actual information from the elected representatives whose salaries you pay for. They stonewall, they slow walk, they refuse to respond. They pretend that they're a part of something much too busy and complicated. I don't have time to be trifled with your little inquiry. Actually, yeah, you need to be. And so journalists and lawyers and concerned citizens use the Freedom of Information Act request which is a lengthy process, but forces the hand of the recipient to give over information. 
Remember those 5,000 emails we heard about a couple months ago that showed Joe Biden used multiple pseudonyms? Because, you know, people who are honest often have fake names. Not just one or two, but three of them. Right. Well, apparently, a Freedom of Information Act request has yielded a bonanza of other pseudonym emails sent by Joe Biden in some point in his past in dealing with his son's business, which is his business, because they are partners in business and have been partners for many, many, many years. And the number is so great, in fact, it makes Hillary Clinton's New York home server seem like silliness. And these are just the emails that we know. 82,000 82,000 emails sent by and to a variety of Joe Biden's alter egos, all of whom suck as much as the real one. If that even is the real one, who knows? Is anybody else out there totally mystified that Joe Biden never looks the same? And I'm sorry, I look at that dude and I'm like, what kind of surgery did he get? You look nothing like your former self. If you didn't suck so much, we'd have serious questions about your DNA. 82,000 emails. As this guy has lied from the very beginning of his time in political quote-unquote service. And yet it's Donald Trump's home that gets raided by the FBI. It is Donald Trump who is charged with endless criminal allegations and now faces multiple indictments in multiple cities by multiple people who've made it their life's mission to destroy him. Interesting, is it not? National Archives, quote unquote, locates 82,000 pages of Joe Biden pseudonym emails, possibly dwarfing Clinton scandal. Well, I'm going to say it absolutely does because she had 30 odd thousand. And then she, in a similar fashion, had to lie before the before Congress in those hearings. What do you mean? Wipe them down like with a cloth? Feigning ignorance, the same way she feigned. The emails were about Chelsea's wedding. It was about my yoga class. It was about recipes. Those are the things that I was keeping on my private email server. Not to mention all the classified documents, many of which were top secret classified documents. And she walks, the scumbag that she is, and we have a president... In Donald Trump, who they fear so much, they will raid his home and go through his wife's underwear drawer to find anything to sink him. All right, so what this is all about, 82,000, as we have some interesting news about Speaker Mike Johnson as well. Don't go anywhere. You're tuned in to the Wendy Bell Radio Network. You know what? We have a lot of adults who needed to spank their kids. I'm just going to drop it. Actions have consequences. We have a generation of young people who have been raised without consequences. And I shudder to think what the what the toddlers sitting in the front of the buggy at the grocery store who are looking at their mom's cell phone 
Because parents don't know how to freaking parent anymore. And look, I'm not some poster child of great parenting either. I've made more than my fair share of mistakes. But what are we doing? What are we doing? We have allowed this revenge of the nerds, of these misfits. What were they, high school? Bullied in high school? They graduated, somehow made it to college to join forces with a bunch of other people who don't fit, who are insecure, and find some sort of security and voice in a group of suck who then go hunt down fellow students or call for death to Jews. What are we doing? Well, you have leaders who have been able to fail upwards for generations. Joe Biden's trajectory is dizzying. What has this man accomplished at at all in his life? What does he offer? What kind of value does he provide? What kind of service does he know about? What is his expertise? In Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers, he talks about the 10,000-hour rule that if you do something, whether you play hockey or you're in a band or you create code, or you do heart catheterizations. If you do something for 10,000 hours or 10,000 times, you are considered an expert. Well, Joe Biden is an expert at lying. And that's just it. Archives locates 82,000 pages of Joe Biden's pseudonym emails dwarfing Clinton scandal under legal pressure. That's where we are. Legal pressure. The National Archives, which was all too happy to work with the Biden administration to go after Donald Trump, which was all too eager, the National Archives, to run to the New York Times and talk about Donald Trump's classified documents. Oh, it's, it's a travesty. Can you believe that? And that man had access to the nuclear codes. Oh, my gosh. The same National Archives that did that had to be forced under legal pressure to locate 82,000 pages of emails that Joe Biden either sent or received during his vice presidential tenure. So just eight years, 10,000 a year. There you go. A total that potentially dwarfs the amount that landed Hillary Clinton in hot water a decade ago. It didn't really land Hillary Clinton in hot water because if you're part of the uniparty swamp machine, you get away with anything you want. You can raise tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. You can be Bill Gates. You can buy stock in a company just moments before, quote unquote, a virus in a wet market is discovered that then sickens the majority of the planet and then dump that stock at a lovely $260 million profit and have nobody raise their eyebrows. You can be involved in all sorts of things, like a wide-open southern border. And you can lie day after day, month after month. We inherited a broken broken system. The total of Biden private email exchanges was disclosed Monday in a little-noticed status report filed in a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit brought against the National Archives and Records Administration by the nonprofit public interest law firm The Sutton the Southeastern Legal Foundation. Now, the foundation brought the lawsuit seeking access to the emails after justthenews.com revealed a year ago that Joe Biden had used three pseudonym email accounts. Robin Ware, 
456 at gmail.com. JRBware at gmail.com. In the event you guys want to get, you know, pen pally with him. And uh, Robert L. Peters at PCI.gov. This is all during the time he served as Obama's vice. The status report filed Monday in a federal court in Atlanta was the first to provide an estimate of the size and the scope of possible government business conducted through Joe Biden's private email account. Now, government business, really, it's not government business. It's Joe Biden's family business, his crime family syndicate. Why else do you need pseudonyms? Because people who operate in reality, who aren't breaking the law, don't need secondary servers. They don't need fake names. They don't need ghost phones, burner phones, global phones. But they do when they're breaking the law. So this is what they said. NARA has identified approximately 82,000 pages, potentially responsive documents, currently processing those. Hold your breath. I'm sure we'll have them by 2025. The court filing added that the foundation and NARA are discussing ways to narrow the request for records to get copies of the emails out in a more expeditious manner. We could go on and on and on. First of all, they're never going to pay attention to this. He's never going to be held accountable. But this is how your slimy alleged president of the United States operates. On the flip side of that, we're seeing some progress. And this is why the left cannot tolerate the new speaker, Mike Johnson. Here's a report. Mike Johnson's election to the House Speaker position already bearing fruit for the GOP. As predicted, the election of Representative Mike Johnson to the Speaker's position has sent Democrats and their media allies into fits of outrage with the attacks on his Christian faith. Started immediately, of course, as the mudslinger started digging deep into the Wayback Machine to try to find any kind of Confederate soldier connection to the speaker. So far, of course, the attacks from the usual suspects on both Johnson and his family don't seem to have done much, if any, damage among the Republican faithful. In fact, they might actually be helping instead, as the National Republican Congressional Committee has reported their highest one-day fundraising numbers in a year and a half. The House GOP campaign arm reported to, let's see, its best online fundraising, fundraising day in 18 months. This was Friday, providing a glimpse into Speaker Mike Johnson's potential to carry on the fundraising torch passed down by his predecessor, McCarthy. What did everybody say? He's a great fundraiser. Well, that's fantastic. If he's working for the other team, he can raise all the money he wants. It's dirty money and it sucks. The National Republican Congressional Committee, the political committee helping elect more Republicans in the House, pulled in, in one day, $175,000. It's best online fundraising day since February 2022. Republicans, conservatives, common sense Americans are hungry for leadership. And hopefully that is what we are going to get. Now, this is very interesting because in addition to that fundraising idea, I like the news that there is an aid package that's being pointed out, pushed out. And this one is pretty fascinating because it involves money for Israel that comes out of the coffers of the IRS. And I think that's fantastic because it's necessary. 
Why are we giving the IRS all of this money to come after you and me and all of our taxes when we can use money that's been provided in various aid packages, packages that created inflation, that created more of a deficit, more debt, more borrowing off of our grandchildren. Let's just take that back and you can give it to Israel. This is what Mike Johnson has unveiled. $14.3 billion in aid to Israel paid for with cuts to the IRS. That, my friends, seems to be like responsible leadership. House Republicans, led by Speaker Mike Johnson, introduced the chamber's $14.3 billion Israel aid bill Monday, which will be paid for in full by offsets in spending. But passing the legislation will be difficult. Well, let's see who's going to vote against it. Do you want your money... Or do you not? Because if the issue is giving money quickly to our allies in Israel, then you should say whatever gets it there, if that's truly the focus of the mission, you should say whatever it takes, let's go. It might not be perfect, but time is of the essence. Remember, this was the pants on fire call to House Republicans to choose a speaker with Steve Scalise. Just do it. Just do it. The whole world is on fire and you guys are squabbling. Then it became Emmer. Just get him in. Just do it. Oh, this is so embarrassing. Well, these same people who were anti Jim Jordan, now they're going to have to vote on and be on the record on this $14.3 billion for Israel. And if you say no, then one of two things is true. One, you don't care about Israel. It's just a play. Or two, you really want to continue the money-making scheme in the Ukraine. Vladimir Zelensky is losing his star status. There are no more calls from Time Magazine and Newsweek for him to be the center of attention. No photo spreads, no front page covers, no more congressmen and women flying over into a war territory to shake hands with Zelensky And be on record as being down with the struggle against the nasty Russians. And this is a fantastic play. Flush the covey. Force the vote. Because if you're anti-14.3 billion dollars for Israel because you want it tied to more Ukraine aid, we know where you sit on the spectrum of suck. There are lots of things going on around in the world that we have to address. This is what Johnson said. And we will. But right now, what's happening in Israel takes the immediate attention. And I think we've got to separate that and get this measure through. I believe there will be bipartisan support for that. And I'm going to push very hard for it, Johnson said on Fox News over the weekend. Of course, Israel's need for aid is clear. So who's going to vote for what? And then what are your rhinos in the Senate going to do? Because Mitch McConnell stands strong with his best buddy Schumer. We need $106 billion, all of it in one lump sum. Well, why don't we just carve it out and we'll see how everybody really feels, how bad the need truly is, and therefore flush out the real colors of the people we pay to represent us.
So it's game on. Let's go, Republicans. Everybody on board that. Give it to the Senate. See what they say. Mm. And sit back with your popcorn. All right, when we come back. Democrats are obviously smelling the blood in the water because not only does Joe Biden now have a challenger, so does Cori Bush, the squad member from St. Louis. Mm-mm-mm. One of her own. Very interesting times, my friends. Let's go there next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Well, it's, it is pleasant to see when they start feeding on each other, like sharks in the water circling something but it's the, themselves i don't think anybody who lives in realville can look around and say this is an improvement over the last several years i don't think anybody who pays bills even kids who are just starting to get out there and see the real world feel like this is a really great place that this time this feels good it's uncertain it feels unsafe It's financially unaffordable. I just read an article today. 81% of Americans polled say they have made no contributions to their savings in 2023. Working isn't about treading water. Working is about a goal and an end point where you get to say, I'm done. I've paid my time. It was rewarding, hopefully. Now I'm going to enjoy the good stuff. Well, forget about that. And I think Democrats are definitely smelling what's coming. First of all, Joe Biden doesn't stand a chance. The elements of cheat, the degree to which cheat has to happen, is preposterous. The level of which I can't fathom. And I don't know what they're going to do. Are they going to try to drop another virus? I don't know. I think you have enough people who are going to be like, not, don't even try it. But when you're a member, a corrupt, nasty scumbag member of the squad and your name is Corey Bush, it's delightful that you're going to get primaried. At least this is fantastic. St. Louis County Prosecutor Wesley Bell is going to challenge Corey Bush for her seat in the House of Representatives. This is pretty big news out of Missouri because... This guy, Bell, had been challenging Josh Hawley in the Senate. Josh Hawley is not going anywhere. Josh Hawley is solid and stable and secure and common sense and conservative and good. And nobody's going to unseat that right now. Not a chance. And I think Mr. Bell saw the writing on the wall. And he also senses the weakness of people like Cori Bush. St. Louis County prosecuting attorney Wesley Bell announced Monday he's ending his campaign for U.S. Senate will instead challenge U.S. Representative Cori Bush in next year's Democratic primary in the first congressional district made the surprise announcement at a press conference Monday at the Soul Fisher Ministries, a Normandy based nonprofit. The contest will pit two veterans of the Ferguson unrest in 2014. Cori Bush, an activist who helped lead protests. Like, we couldn't have seen that was going to be bad. Let's, let's elevate her. See, we did that here in my district here in southern Pennsylvania with Summer Lee. That's a wackadoodle, right? This is what you get. When you get in that wave of protesting nonsense and somebody doesn't act like the grown-up and say, sit down, 
You're bad for America. Well, Mr. Bell thinks he's going to be the guy to unseat her. He said Monday he decided to switch races at the urging of Democrats (laughs) who said, quote, we need you in Washington, but St. Louis needs you in the House of Representatives, which is code for get this psycho woman out of here. With the remember, Cori Bush is a big defund the police gal. How's that working for you, St. Louis? How's your downtown looking? See, I used to live there. Downtown St. Louis is a ghost town. Nobody's there. Businesses moved out years ago. It's been 25 years since I left the Gateway City and moved to Pittsburgh to get married and start my family. And downtown St. Louis, while I was there for three years working for the NBC affiliate, it was zero then. You might as well cue the tumbleweeds today. When Bush pulled off a surprise upset in the 2020 Democratic primary, ousting Lacey Clay from the seat, blah, 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 the expectation was that she would shake things up. Since taking office, Bush has made a name for herself all right, but the St. Louis member of the squad has hardly covered herself in any kind of glory. Talking about defunding the police. Ethics complaints for misuse of government resources. Calls for ending U.S. military aid to Israel. And even fellow Democrats are cringing. And just Sunday, Cori Bush demonstrated her desperate need for a dictionary as she accused Israel of an ethnic cleansing campaign. Obviously, she's ripe for being primaried by perhaps a more sane leftist, if there is such a thing on the scales of suck. But how about this guy who wants to take on Joe Biden? Do you know anything about Congressman Dean Phillips? I hadn't either. But apparently, Dean Phillips is getting some of the same advice that Wesley Bell has been getting in Missouri. How about you get involved and see if you can make some headway? Because under these current people, everything sucks. And we're running out of lies to spin the story the other way. So we're going to listen to Jim Acosta from CNN literally lose his mind that somebody would jump in and have the audacity to challenge the man, the myth, Joe Biden or Robert L. Ware or whatever he's going by today. We're going to hear what this gentleman, Congressman Dean Phillips, has to say about why he thinks he has a shot at winning the Democrat nod. He says, in a nutshell, Joe Biden isn't just going to lose to Donald Trump. He's going to get clobbered. Buckle up. We got it. Hour number two of the Wendy Bell Radio program. Minutes away. Mm-hmm.